February is most known for being Black History Month, the month of love due to Valentine's Day, for the holidays representing President's Day. Many do not know that February is American Heart Month. According to the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute, when we take care of our hearts as part of our self-care, we set an example for those around us to do the same. And that could not summarize the essence of our guest today, Dr. Camille King, who goes by Cam. Today we hold space as Cam brings to us an understanding not only of her journey with congenital heart disease, known as CHD, but promote greater awareness of CHD within the community and the possible effects it might have on family and friends of someone living with CHD. Cam, I see you queen. And thank you so much for joining us. For those that are not familiar with you, can you give us a little more background as to who Dr. Camille King is? First of all, thank you for having me. Um, so I'm Camille, but I go back ham. You only get to call me Camille if you've known me long enough. Um, <laughs> I'm from Ohio. I am currently 31 and I start med school in the spring. Um, I am a single mom to a superhero. I was, I am one of those strange babies who was a month late and a week early upon delivery and still weighed less than five pounds. I was supposed to be due in May. I decided I wasn't ready. <laughs> and then they were like, all right, she's going to be born July 4th. And my mom got sick after eating oyster dressing. Oh, wow. And she started to develop sepsis because I had started to decay. My mm. skin had started to decay from the outside in. Um, and so when I was born, I was small enough to fit into her shoebox. We're not going to give her size because that's a lot. Um, and they knew, she knew something was wrong mm -hmm. from the time I was born, but I wasn't clinically diagnosed until 1992. So I had to be three years old when I was clinically diagnosed. And then I wound up having my first of four open heart surgeries um, the following August of 93, I believe. Mm. I was four years old, my first surgery. And what led to that surgery actually taking place? So I had several heart murmurs, which are holes in your heart. Okay. Um, I had five, and when we talk about CHD, we're going to clarify, it's not always congenital heart disease. A lot of times it is congenital heart defects, um, which are not diseases. They're just deformations, okay? Mm -hmm. And so I have several deformations that are not connected to any other genetic issues. A lot of times you'll see people with Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, and a lot of other issues, Marfan syndrome, and stuff like that with heart issues. I don't have any of those. My heart issues stand alone. Um, and if we talk about diagnosis, I was diagnosed with ASD, which is atrial septal defect. So there's a hole in my in the wall that separates my atriums. Okay. Um, I had multiple murmurs. My coronary arteries were reversed. I should say they are reversed. Um, so my output is my input and my input is my output. I was born with a cleft mitral valve. Um, so instead of it being, and the mitral valve, I believe is the tricuspid valve, if y'all want to go into medical terminology, but 
instead of the leaves connecting like a clover, it was kind of like, you know, the Wu-Tang sign. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, I can see that. I can visually see that. Okay. You know, and it, it's like, imagine a child born with a cleft palate where it doesn't connect and there is a space. Right. Okay. Um, And so your body has to overcompensate. And basically my body had to overcompensate for that. Um, And because I had the cleft mitral valve, I also had mitral regurgitation, which means that the oxygenated blood that was being pumped out, if I pumped out 10 oxygenated blood cells, Mm. seven of them went back into my heart. Mm. So I was never getting enough oxygen. I was never getting enough blood flow. Um, I could never keep my hands or my feet warm. I, I would have numbness in my legs just from lack of circulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and none of that stuff stopped me. So quick, so, quick question. Ahead. Is that, um, what contributed to you basically, as you were saying, decaying from the inside, you said inside out? From the outside in. Outside so my in. skin and everything had decayed from my neck all the way down. And that um, was contributed to that or they don't know? So I'm sure it played a role. Okay. However, we recognize that with congenital heart defects, they're most commonly formed within the first 28 days of pregnancy before a woman even knows she's pregnant. Mm. And at the time, they didn't really have the test that they have now to test for these things. So it's partially that I was a month late. I was a 10-month baby. So I had to overstay my welcome. Mm-hmm. And also that I had heart issues. Um, so it's a double sword basically okay and for those that um are familiar or they may have heard of like congestive heart failure can you give some explanation or background as to what's the difference between that that and what you are living with so first and foremost chf also known as congestive heart failure is completely reversible when you take the steps to do so how do i know because i was diagnosed i was dying and i reversed it boom However, CHD is not curable while, and for those that don't know, I'm going to give you all some statistics. One in 100 babies around the world are born with CHD. That's over 40,000 infants every single year. Um, It is the number one birth defect in the entire world. Okay. And there are, I want to say there are 45 different types of defects in 18 different categories depending on where the defect takes place, the severity and such like that, right? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about congestive heart failure, congestive heart failure is when your heart is not functioning properly and fluid forms in your pericardial sac, which causes your heart to function, to not function even more and it almost drowns your heart. Mm -hmm. And so you're working extremely hard for the basic things, it makes breathing hard. It makes talking hard. It makes all of these things very laborious. Mm. Um, however, it is treatable. It is curable. It is not a death sentence. Okay. Um, I cured mine with change in diet and exercise. And then ultimately by having the surgeries thereafter, my heart was able to function in a capacity where it didn't allow the extra fluid to build up. And so it wound up basically kind of dissolving on its own. Okay. Quick, going back, you said change in your diet. 
what did your diet, excuse me, what did your diet look like before? And then what did it look like afterwards? Okay, so I've always eaten pretty healthily. I don't eat pork. I'm really not a fan of red meat. Um, at one point in my childhood, my mother cut out like all fried foods, mm-hmm. but I wound up struggling because I wasn't getting the the nutrients that my blood needed from them. Mm, okay. Um, and so I was having clotting issues. I was having bleeding issues. I was having oxygen issues because I just couldn't get those nutrients. And so when it comes to changing diet, for me, it looks like with every surgery, my desire for meat lessens. Okay. Um, to the point now where I literally eat fish <laughs> and seafood. <laughs> like I'm pesca vegetarian who has at least one to two vegan meals every single week. Okay. Um, I'm more plant-based than anything. I don't use the iodized table salt at all in anything. We don't even have it in the house. However, I have black salt, I have Himalayan salt, I have sea salt, I have kosher salt. Um, And they give, you can use less and still get the same flavor. But also when you learn your spices, you can go completely without salt. Because if you know that lemon and garlic gives you the saltiness that you're looking for, you don't even have to use that. Mm. Um, So it was a matter of really, I really eat what I want. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do so in moderation, like. I just had a bag of chips um, and I can't have MSG. Okay. I can't have certain dyes um, because they make me sick. It's not that I'm unable to digest them. It's that they just make me sick and I don't feel good when I eat them. So I've, you know, I have a degree in nutrition. I have gone back and I read labels. <laughs> yeah. I read ingredients. I see if it has artificial colors, artificial flavors, um, certain cheeses I can't have because again, it makes me completely and utterly sick. Um, I eat a lot of fruit. Currently downstairs, I have fresh grapefruit, fresh oranges, fresh apples. I also have orange cups. I have dried mangoes, dried cherries. Mm. I have frozen cherries, dragon fruit, um, peaches, pineapples, mangoes. So fruit is never in short supply here Mm. and neither are vegetables really um so yeah we we figured out the medicinal property of spices and we dove all the way into it and with that it's also it sounds like with your food you also made sure you're understanding the properties of how it serves your body oh yeah we it's not just the nutritional properties I have in my past life, I was um, a high priestess and a shaman. And so I do research and sometimes have innate knowledge on the um, medicinal properties of certain foods, spices, herbs, things like that. And so I try my best to incorporate those in abundance mm-hmm. in my diet mm-hmm. um, while also making sure of pretending to be compliant to their dietary restrictions okay that makes sense I say pretending because DHD has controlled my entire life it's not about control what I eat and I like food yeah that <laughs> makes complete sense I mean because you 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 have to like we're putting um or we're stating is living with it it's not it controls me or um as some people say I I'm surviving or I'm suffering it's like no I didn't and mean survive and suffering I I have absolutely suffered. 
because of it. Um, But I've had to learn because one thing, I never wanted to be a victim to it. So I never wanted to be labeled as disabled. I never wanted the pity. And so even in my trivializing, minimizing and downplaying how I was feeling for the consideration of others, I didn't want to be those things. Um, And so with that, I had to learn to really like take it for what it is and recognize that my circumstances or my diagnosis does not define me. It is not my identification, you know, and I can't wear it as a cloak Mm -hmm. because I'm not a victim to it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Then that's where um, today, just sitting here talking to you, giving someone who could be sitting, you know, maybe they just are learning about it or a family member knowing, you know, like you said, you, you have your moments where it's taking over and it's a cloak and you're just hiding behind it. But seeing someone like you, a face that they've gone through, they're still in the journey of it, learning, living with it, but knowing that it's not the definition of me. It doesn't define who Miss mm-hmm. or sorry, Dr. Camille King is. It does not define her. It's a part of her, but it's not the definition of her. It's a circumstance. It's something that I've gone through. Yeah. You know, it's like, like trauma is something you it's something that happens to you but it is not what identifies you yes you know it is a circumstance but it is not the destination yep yep you know I'm still healing but I'm still whole in the process and with CHD a lot of people think like oh she has surgery she's cured if you ask social security office they'll tell you that (laughs) it's curable (laughs) that conversation didn't go over well. Um, (laughs) When the reality is 25% of patients and children diagnosed with CHD will need a surgical intervention. 18% of that 25% will need multiple surgical interventions. And you still have to heal from every surgery, every procedure. And the toll that it takes physically is already a lot. But imagine the mental and emotional toll that it takes when you constantly feel like you have to prove yourself to everybody around you and you're always doing extra on top of your more and it's still never enough right and it's a whole different ball game I'm at the point now where physically healing isn't an issue for me but the mental and emotional I had to go to therapy for it I had to really sit with those emotions I had to sit with why I why I trivialized it in effort to make it look easy for other people. Mm. Um, because a lot of people didn't realize how serious it was because of how I lived my life and how much I trivialized it. You know, when I was younger and coming up through high school, when people would see the scar on my chest, I would make up elaborate stories. It was just fun to see a reaction Yeah, because I didn't want the pity. So at one point it was, oh, I was in a car accident. Another one, I got hit by a bus. Mind you, I don't wish any of these things on anybody but to see their reactions Mm. was utterly hilarious for me. But it also was me hiding because I didn't want to say, hey, I'm sick and my heart doesn't work. I was born with a broken heart, but I'm not broken hearted. Hey loves, to hear and see the rest of this interview and much more, join us on Podia. Podia is a members only platform that provides a community environment in helping others to find their voice and navigate this thing called life. Our members gain full access to the entire guest interviews self-help materials, and so much more. To sign up, 
Please follow us on Instagram at Acme of Mindset. And in our bio, you will find the link. I can't wait to see you there. Namaste.